Hi, I'm Sonia. Hi, I'm Sapna. And this is Loudmouth Lurkies. Welcome back, Loudmouths. Before we get started, if you have not already, make sure you go and buy your Loudmouth Lurky Dewy Apricot sticker pack. They are the absolute cutest stickers you will ever buy. Um, and we also do really cute personalized packaging. So make sure you go and buy. Stop yes. right now. Stop listening right now. Pause. Pause. <laughs> Take out your credit card. Head over to the link in our bio and buy yourself some stickers. Yes, or or for your favorite loudmouth out there. Well, we're back in March. Um, yeah. So full circle, given where we were a year ago. Um, happy March 365th. Seriously, I was going to say this month has felt forever and then I realized it's been an entire year. Um, so it's been a year of us being in this complete mess. Um, so if you're listening, congratulations on making it here and we hope you're doing well. Um, but because it is March, it means that we are likely going to start being inundated with ads and messages like get your summer body or lose your weight so for your bikini body or whatever. Lose your that quarantine means. weight. Oh my gosh. I'm not ready for that. But I think I'm, I've already started seeing it. Exactly. Um, and, and it's, it's March 1st. Like we're recording this on March 1st. This episode comes out on the 4th. Why? Summer is a ways away. I don't need to hear it right now. <laughs> I know. I don't want to hear it ever, first of all. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, um, so let's talk about it. And uh, we should also mention that last week was National Eating Disorder Week. So that was the end of February. So we really did want to take the time to discuss our own journeys and with nutrition and exercise. A little bit of a disclaimer before we get into it. Sapna and I are not nutritionists. We ourselves are working on unlearning our own fat phobic tendencies and potential unhealthy relationships with food and exercise. So don't want to make it sound like we're the experts on this. Nor um, do we have our own stuff figured out when it comes to this. Like we are we are learning it just alongside everyone else. Um, and that's okay because it's a journey, right? And that's exactly what we're going to talk about. But content warning. Um, we will be talking about and addressing, you know, weight loss, calorie counting, um, eating, eating disorder tendencies, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. So just a heads up. But Sapna, let's talk about, before we get into our own journeys, we're both college students. We're not going to be college students for very long, but we're still in college and we spent the mm -hmm. last three, four years in college. So let's talk about college and body image and how normalized disordered relationships with eating and exercise became while we were in college. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, to start off, mine actually started a little before I started college. I remember I go to UCLA. I've mentioned it far too many times on this podcast, but go Bruins, <laughs> go Bruins, whatever the but... heck a Bruin is. <laughs> it's, it's a bear. But anyways, <laughs> Anyways, um, at UCLA, there's a lot of walking. Like we all walk a bunch to go to our classes and um, fitness culture is super huge at UCLA. Like people, people are always running on the streets and like in general, I'd say our population's like pretty active, pretty fit. Um, and by virtue of being in LA, which is like the hub of disordered eating and hating your body. Um, I was just about to say you're in the heart of it. Exactly. So I remember coming to UCLA uh, before I started and people were saying like, oh, is it that UCLA makes everyone skinny or is it just only that skinny people go to UCLA? And that was like my first glimpse into what college eating, body image, exercising habits look like. And so even just aside from college, I know that most of my friends at this age, if not all of my friends, and even the ones you wouldn't expect, almost everyone has issues with their body. And that's just like 
cold and simple what I've seen it as. And also want to point out that it's not just an issue that affects women or uh, people who identify as female. I've had so many of my male friends also mention to me how they were upset about different parts of their body, except it's just not as spoken about. So definitely want to acknowledge that. But by and large, college has definitely exacerbated a lot of the body image issues that many of my peers face. Um, yeah. I mean, from a, something as simple as like the universal freshman 15, right? That's like one of the first things you talk about when you're about to head into college. That doesn't just affect women or people who identify as female. It affects men as well. Um, and always being super conscious about that. People not eating before they're going out to make sure that the alcohol hits. Um or just phrases like which is crazy yeah. right i mean until okay so like sabna brought this up to me and until she brought it up i had never really given it much thought but it's such a common thing if you know you are drinking and you're going out that people will will eat around that particular schedule um eating to fit into a certain outfit or reducing eating to fit into a certain outfit when it becomes like formal season yeah. right um and then or, or like this event is like, coming up so i'm not going to eat like weeks in advance i'm going to change my diet like this whole get your summer body thing um yeah i definitely actually now that you say that again these are things that like are so woven into the fabric of how college is that mm -hmm. I'm actually like realizing it right now how many friends I've seen do these things. Yeah, um, and myself, like ourselves included also. It's just really interesting overall how ingrained disordered habits around eating and exercise have become. Um, but Sapna, you had mentioned this term that I really, really like. And I want you to kind of explain it to us. How do we look at food and exercise through the lens of body neutrality? And what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. So to preface this, and we will go into this a little bit more throughout the episode, just our journeys with uh, nutrition and exercise. I've gotten really into kind of like the fitness nutrition space recently. Um, and so I've been hearing this term of body neutrality come up a lot, and it sounds like a negative thing. You're like, oh, you don't love your body. It's not body positive, right? But that's the biggest point. So recently we've seen this term body positivity. It's flooded everywhere, um, but it's come to a point where it's borderline toxic. It's like always thinking about your body. It's always thinking about like, what angle do I look best in? Or um, like what clothes make my, my body look the best? What foods do make my body look the best? Just this huge obsession over what we look like and what our body looks like in a way that is fat phobic typically, right? So this term of bot, this term body neutrality is really reframing the way that we understand and view our bodies and just saying like, my body is my body. Like being as neutral as possible. My body does what it's supposed to do. I use it every day. I wake up in it every day. I go to sleep in it every day. Just like not having the need to fully and like wholeheartedly think about your body and how it looks and how it feels at every point of the day, if that makes sense. So like shifting away from this perspective of praising the body all the time in the sense of like, you know, how body positivity um, and don't get me wrong, like body positivity is great, is in, great in certain doses, I think, is what you're trying to get at, right? And how absolutely you can't be like always so hyper focused on the visual aspect of the body. Is that what you're getting at? Exactly. Because it's like when the more we spend time thinking about it, the more it's like consuming everything that we do the things we eat the people we spend time with the pictures we take the pictures we post all of it mm. right and so this this term body neutrality is really kind of the the focus of this episode and really just thinking about how what our goals are personally um in seeing our bodies and ourselves and 
something that I've noticed a lot too is body neutrality not only affects or not only can affect the way that we see ourselves, but the way that we talk to others too. Like something I've noticed a lot is on Instagram or on social media, a lot of the commentary, like when someone posts a really nice picture, everyone's like, your body looks great or different or skinny legend. And you know, those sort of things or people comment on different parts of people's bodies or I don't know. I've also seen that in some spaces to be like a touchy topic because if someone has struggled with their body their whole lives um, and like someone's pointing out something that might not be what someone's desire is, like it it could definitely be um, really triggering. Yeah. And I think also things like when you comment um, things like, oh, you're so brave for posting this. Oh my God. It's inher- like, you know, you know exactly what they're saying. It's so coded. It's like, oh, you're so inspirational for like being in love with your body because it doesn't look like what we typically associate like healthy, beautiful bodies to look like which yeah. is very unfair yeah no one's gonna go tell Kendall Jenner like oh you're oh, so it's brave, like, it's so brave. <laughs> <laughs> um but that that's fat phobia right exactly. and, and we'll Fans we'll talk people. about it as as the episode goes on but um Sabna you mentioned before we started recording that this is the first time we're talking about Body. our bodies mm-hmm. and our relationship with our bodies since season one, um, which was back in 2019. So mm-hmm. a lot has changed and kind of want to highlight our own perspective. So I guess I'll go first. Um, I shared in season one um, a little bit about my, I guess like where I pinpointed my issues, like my body image issues um, back in fifth grade. So if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go back and listen to it. But I've always had issues when it comes to how comfortable I am with my body, you know, and I feel like that's a norm for a lot of people. And I didn't realize that I always had issues with it, Um, definitely became very weight conscious early in my childhood. And then I noticed in late middle school, early high school, that I had eating disorder tendencies. And had I not like been conscious of that at the time or had something else not come up, it was very likely that I would have developed an eating disorder. And the reason I bring this up is because that those tendencies and that awareness has definitely shaped how I now approach food and exercise because anyone who knows me knows I avoid the word diet and I avoid dieting like the plague um or like COVID at this point (laughs) I was gonna say we have to change that phrase but yeah yeah, we have to be current events we're topical (laughs) (laughs) no but I I really do avoid those things because I tried in high school and I was very likely to go down an eating disordered path. And it really scares me how likely I am to get on that path. So I've been very conscious of like not restricting myself. And because of that, my relationship with food, and I won't say like it's really healthy because it's not, I'm still figuring that out. But my weight fluctuated a lot in high school as well because Uh, my sophomore year, I was at peak depression and peak depressive episodes. So I stopped dancing. I stopped walking and like going outside um, because I wasn't going to school. I was sleeping for an average of 12 hours a day um, and I was eating, right? And so I was like, I was lethargic and my weight, like I gained quite a bit of weight and then like when my episode started coming down and I was like getting back into dancing, going back to school and just, you know, getting back into a regular sleeping routine and eating routine, my weight came down. And I remember at one point being in therapy and mentioning to my therapist that I had body image issues. And he was like, 
what is it, right? Like, let's talk about it. And I had mentioned, like, I think during my depressive episode, I gained about 20 pounds, um, which is a lot (laughs) for a short amount of time, especially as a high schooler, right? So I gained about 20 pounds. And I remember bringing that up to my therapist and he said something that really helped change my perspective. Um, Granted, I don't know if this was the healthiest thing, but he was like, Sonia, I don't think I can imagine you 20 pounds lighter. So I think it was like more like him sharing that I seemed at a healthy body weight at that time. And I was like, okay, that kind of helps me put into perspective where I was at, if that makes sense. Um, Okay. Okay. So kind of just like reminding you that you're fine and like it's okay where you're at and just like exist yes, with yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It was like, he was like, I would be concerned if you were 20 pounds lighter in the sense of like, you are in a normal place. Mm-hmm. What happened happened. Mm-hmm. That's your body reacting. Um, and again, I tried to like remind myself of that mentality of like, your body was reacting to something. Exactly. And it was going through a trauma. I think that's you know, huge though. Like our body has different ways of reacting based on the biological stressors that we're experiencing. So it's not weird that your body's doing that. If anything, it's so damn cool that our body can sense what we're going through and adapt to the circumstances. Like, absolutely. Right. And like, we see that definitely during the pandemic. And that's something mm-hmm. I continue to remind myself of. I'm like, I'm literally in a global pandemic. I cannot be mad at my body for not functioning the way it was when I could go outside on a daily basis and and you could go to gyms and you I don't go have to, to gyms. live a sedentary was, lifestyle right and I was walking everywhere mm-hmm. I lived on a college campus I was walking everywhere now it's a good day if I get outside right because I live at home exactly. so my my relationship with with food and exercise has changed a lot over time and I'm realizing it more over COVID of how active of a person I was and yet how dissatisfied I was with my body during that time. Hmm, That's interesting. Is it like something that you're, you're looking back at and saying, oh, I was doing so much more then, but I, I didn't like where I was then, but now I'm more okay with it or is would you say that's kind of I think it's exactly that I think it's exactly that it's like I was I'm and I'm just saying this to put into perspective of like how unkind I was to myself because I was dancing for three hours each day three times a week I was going to the gym twice a week um and I was walking everywhere right and so I was a very active person regardless of like I was cooking most of my meals and if I wasn't I was eating out but that's fine And I was really unkind to myself then. I look back now after a year of like not being able to do the same things and not even having the motivation to do the same things. And I'm like, wow, I would have killed to look that way, the way I did a year ago. I'm like, why wasn't I like, why didn't I appreciate my body then the way I'm appreciating it now? No, that's a really good point. And I feel like a lot of it is perspective. And I'm just to hear that it makes me happy because that means like there's something within the last year or so since we've been in this pandemic that has really like struck a chord and changed the way that you see things. Um, that's really good to hear. I think if if to just to shift over to my story, um, I think I've had kind of a similar journey um, in terms of pinpointing where it began. I, I just remember from a young age, just being around many people who used to always comment on their bodies and their weight. And we'll talk about this later, but from a young age, if you're always hearing the people you love talk so poorly about their bodies and what they look like, it's going to start to impact you, whether you like it or not. Um, and then from that, it went like, I also, like I wasn't very active as a kid. I would say even throughout high school, I wasn't very active. So in elementary school and like pediatrician visits where they check your BMI, which also is not, is kind of an outdated measure. Like BMIs were made for adult white men, just to keep that into perspective. It's racist. Just like many of the other things in our healthcare system, but that's a different conversation. 
but um, yeah, so like BMIs and visits to pediatricians, I, de- I dreaded those. Um, but yeah, I think I was always cognizant of my weight, but I didn't really care enough to do anything, which is like, I guess, cool, fine, whatever. Um, I don't think it ever got to an unhealthy phase. So, and my parents never like brought up anything. So, you know, I was a kid and I was like happy about it. So I'm just going, going about my way. Um, but I think in around, I think my health journey probably started around uh, senior year and the transition to college. So I, I don't mean to bring this up in like, a, oh, look at me, like, eh, yeah, but, but just to put it into perspective of my journey, my senior year, I think like right before my graduation, I like looked at my weight and then to the time my freshman year of college when I came back for Thanksgiving break. So that was probably around like five, six months. I lost 17 pounds, which is like pretty significant, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Also in a time where it's like notorious, like you were saying, Sonia, it's the freshman 15. Usually everyone comes back Thanksgiving, just like once again, because the ways that college makes you eat are dining, our dining hall foods, super unhealthy. Like a lot of partying culture is very unhealthy, you know? So it's like, it's fine. It, you know, you end up the freshman 15 or whatever it is, it's like natural it because our bodies react in different ways. Once again, to different environments. I have a very, very vivid memory of just coming back that Thanksgiving break um, of my freshman year. And that being like the only thing that people were commenting on and same thing with winter break. And you know how you come back from your first semester or quarter at college and you see everyone from your high school. And obviously like those were the people who had seen me before and like my entire lives. And they were just like, whoa, you look different. Or are you eating okay? And this and that. And to be hundred percent fair, like I did not do anything physical, like physical activity did not exist in my world when I was in high school. Um, and I wasn't really eating healthily, but then my scene, like the summer between senior year and college, I started loving to cook and I started loving healthy food. So I think by virtue of that, it's like that and the six to eight miles <laughs> I was walking a day because of UCLA Hills, anyone who goes there knows, um, it just ended up happening and it didn't, I didn't intend for it to happen that way, but it just did. And so something I've seen a lot in this kind of like weight loss, um, health nutrition space is a lot of people start getting more self-conscious and more cognizant about their weight after they lose it. So it's not necessarily before, but it's like, after you've lost your weight and you're happy of where you're, where you are, it like, you have a second of just being happy and then it gets like obsessive. And I think that that's kind of what happened to me. Um, So I'd say that my health journey is not perfect in any way, any shape or form. So I think this obsession about food and weight like started happening, happening after I lost a lot of my weight. And they say a lot of your weight loss happens immediately because it's like that water weight. Um, And then like you stay stagnant. I mean, there's a, there's a point where like you can only do so much. And I think that's when like things started to to amp up for me. Um, And then given the pandemic, I think a lot of people went through this phase in the pandemic when March came around and people were only watching Chloe Ting and everyone was like, we're going to get healthy and take this time to better ourselves before we realized we'd be stuck in this mess for more than a year. Um, People started working out and I kind of did the same. I was like, if I'm not walking and I'm just like sitting around, maybe I'll try exercising. Maybe I'll, I'll get back into that. And I will tell you, and I'll get into this later in the episode, but I absolutely love exercising and I really love it. But um, the fitness industry is very toxic and we'll talk about this as well. But I don't know if y'all have heard about the app, MyFitnessPal. If you have, please don't download it. Um, But it's this app that like makes you track all your calories and they say, how much weight do you want to lose and how much amount of time? And then they'll give you your caloric like limit for the day. I remember I downloaded like the little free one month trial and they were like, yeah, if you want to get to where you want to be, you have to eat 1500 calories a day. And I was like, nope, nope, no way. I'm not doing that. And I deleted it right away. And I never looked back. (laughs) I have avoided, again, I've avoided calorie counting like the plague because I think I like, I in high school, and that's the other thing, in high school, I was a teenager. Like Mm -hmm. that's so it's scary how bad it could have gotten, you know? Um, but I, I had, I had tried counting calories, I Mm -hmm. think. Um, and I think 
God bless Desi food because I don't know how many calories are in dal, <laughs> That's right? a really good point. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, I mean, I'm eating dal every day. I don't really know how many calories are in this. Guess I can't do it. Godsend, truly. Biggest because, blessing, honestly. Because like, again, if you, and my point to all of this is it's easier said than done. But like, if you know you are someone who is prone to eating disorder tendencies and this is not you have an eating disorder because that's a different story this is you are prone to tendencies and you recognize that consciously avoiding things that you know can trigger that is a great way to like keep yourself from heading down a road that becomes really difficult to come back from oh absolutely um, I think another thing, Sonia and I are both very similar in this aspect. We like to push ourselves a lot. And I think if it's fitness, if it's food, if it's all of that, if you are prone to those sort of tendencies, it makes you very prone to just like being able to restrict and being able to stick to that. And I think that that's a realization I came to as well. Just like you were saying is if I don't change what I'm doing right now, it can be very, very unhealthy. And there've been so many cases of people who restrict so, so much that it changes their entire metabolic process. And then it's like, at that point, you're, you're really in a harder place. So I think since I got through that stage where I'm like, Sapna, check yourself, like you don't need to do all of this. That's kind of my beginning, my reshaping of how I see health and fitness. Um, I would like to plug two YouTubers, Linda Sun and Lily, Lily Sabri, who are both like fitness, wellness, health influencers, whatever you want to call them, who really, really emphasize like loving your body first and doing everything through a lens of loving your body and wanting to do good for it. Um, I think that's so important, right? Absolutely. Especially when it comes to like food. Um, I think it's important to remember that we have an emotional relationship with food. A lot of us do. And changing that can be very, very difficult. Um, I have mentioned before I'm Punjabi and I feel like my love for food definitely comes from being Punjabi. Like growing up, whenever family friends would come over, whenever my friends would come over, it was always snacks after snacks after snacks, right? And that became like a a thing for me, right? I'm a big snacker. Like I enjoy eating throughout the day. And so my relationship with food has been really interesting because I didn't have parents who restricted me ever but I had friends who were a lot smaller than I was. Like my best friend was, we were very different body types while I was growing up. And she was also a picky eater. And I was very conscious of that throughout my childhood because it became this like kind of like running joke that like whatever my best friend wouldn't eat, I would finish it. I became really conscious of that and then into high school, when I like would go out with my friends, if I went out with friends who, again, had different body types than me or ate less than I did, I was so self-conscious because I was like, I'm still hungry. I will eat the full burger. I will eat the full fries. Um, I'm not going to order a salad at lunch because I don't want it. That sounds awful. <laughs> and, <laughs> Real talk, right? yeah. And I had like a best friend who was a lot tinier than me and she would be like, I'll have half of the burger and like oh, I can't really finish yeah. the fries. And again, like that's nothing against her. Yeah. But like I was so self-conscious about that because I was like, am I eating too much? Um, and you bring up a really good point there. Cause it's like, not your fault. It's not your friend's fault. It's society that makes us feel like we are doing a bad thing. If we're eating more and gaining more weight and like, have, yeah, it's just, it's all fat phobic. It's all driven by that. Um, and but- so what I want to say here is that like, one thing I am very proud of myself for, um, again, like putting it out there, I am still on my health and wellness journey trying to figure out what works best for me. I don't have the answers. I don't think I'm doing it right. But the one thing I do do that I am proud of is that I've never, I've just been really conscious about like restricting myself. Um, if my friend says, let's go and get ice cream and I'm in the mood for ice cream, like I'll do it just because like I know I want it, you know? 
um, I found that food is something that brings me a lot of joy because it's such a big part of growing up, right? Like my parents would give the people who came over snacks because they were like, you know, come eat, come eat. And I do the exact same thing when my friends come over. I'm like, let me make food for you. Let me like give you food and all of this stuff. And there's just something so magical about having really fucking good food. I'm just, if I want a pizza, I'm going to go get a pizza, you know? I absolutely feel that. Um, One of my favorite quotes that I repeat to myself all the time is that we strive for a healthy lifestyle and we should strive for a healthy lifestyle in order to live with abundance and not restriction. And that is kind of the way that I, I really encourage myself to see my relationship with food and exercise, right? So it's like, like you were saying, Sonia, some of my best moments from college were going to like Denev late night and having mozzarella sticks and just like meals that I would cringe if I thought about it. But like I said, screw it. And I just ate it because oh, those are the so moments, good. right? Oh, I really want mozzarella stick now. Dude, anyway. I miss college like late night food. Exactly. We're just going to take a second. <laughs> college late night food is really good. Ed's Pizza was like our local pizzeria. And uh, they had this like boom boom sauce. It was <laughs> boom boom sauce. I could not tell you what was in it, but it was magical. Yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree. I think food is a love language. And if you want to go out and not have ice cream, like don't let your fear of eating something unhealthy stop you from doing that. And we'll talk about this later, but like so much of food and healthy living is like knowing moderation um, because we wanted to bring this up too. this whole concept of orthorexia, which is coming up a lot in the news and in uh, popular sources and just this like really healthy eating to a point where it's obsessive. Um, so it's like really just pushing yourself to not fall down those paths. Um, or if you are in that path to seek help is, is super important. And I think remembering that you want to live in abundance and not restriction is a huge part of that. I love that. I love that idea of doing things to make your life more full as opposed to keeping yourself from doing things. Exactly. Um, so we've talked a lot about food. Um, I kind of want to talk about exercise now. And I have raved and raved and raved about this podcast episode um, to Sapna. A friend um, had posted it on her story. Um, she also listens to the podcast. So shout out Lakshmi um, for introducing me to this episode. But the episode was with a um, – I believe she is a professor at Stanford – and it was about the unexpected upside of movement. And I listened to it January 1st, 2020. I listened to it January 1st, 2021. And I'm so glad I did. I listened to it again on uh, January 1st, 2021, because I had recognized how much of a difference it made in my life after listening to it last year. The shift in perspective I got from this episode was that our bodies were built to move, right? Our bodies were built to move and exercise should not be looked at as something to do in order to lose weight, but rather to celebrate what your body was made to do. And they talk about how you know, there's something called collective joy that comes from dance. And as a dancer, that like really spoke to me. But more importantly, it was doing, like framing it as doing movement that you enjoy. And exercise has this like negative connotation given like, you know, um, society and, and years of fat phobia and body image issues and all of that. But this idea of if you don't like lifting weights and going to the gym, don't go. There are other things you can do and not for the sake of losing weight, but rather to celebrate what your body was built to do and for you to 
reap the benefits. Everyone will always mention how exercising, working out will, you know, give you endorphins. Mm -hmm. And it was, I hated hearing that because when I was in high school um, and I was in like peak depression, I was, I was in a PE class and I couldn't run. I like physically couldn't do anything. And my teacher was like, just run. You'll get happy. And I'm like, I can't (laughs) physically do it. Yeah. If I could, I would, and I wouldn't be depressed, you know, but I think, again, reframing it as, okay, you can't run right now. That's fine. What can you do Mm -hmm. that is going to add joy to your Mm -hmm. life? Do you like to dance? Go and dance. Do a bunch of TikTok dances. That counts. Play a Um, sport or like run around with your friends. Walk. (laughs) Like just go go on a nice walk. Um, I think that's huge because I personally hate running. And if someone told me the only exercise I could do was running, I would never <laughs> like I. And I get that there's a runner's high, and I also want to emphasize that, like the endorphins thing. It's not something that they tell you to. to it exercise. is true. It, is it really true. is true. It scientifically, it's true. <laughs> yeah, because um, I realized at least for me when I exercise, because I exercise in the morning. I know that's like a every type of person does something different, but <laughs> for me, it's like after that, I feel ready to take on the day. And yeah, it's a great energy booster like this morning I did yoga and I've had like a really awful past week um I've had no motivation to do anything I did yoga this morning and I was like wow I feel so energized and that isn't to say that like exercising is going to solve all your problems it's not but when you become more in tune with what you like and what your body likes it's going to make exercising and working out and movement so much of a better and enjoy more enjoyable experience I was like Sapna I hated running for the longest time and when I came home in March of last year because of COVID I was like okay well I can't really go to the gym so what can I do and my sister had found a new running route and I was like hmm okay I haven't done this in a while let me do it And I started running and I was like, wait, I really enjoy this. And I think the reason I enjoyed it was because I was just playing my favorite Bhangra mixes and they were like 30 minutes long. And that's how long my run was. Like that's how long the loop was. And it worked out so great. And I was running three and a half miles three times a week. And I was just like, and I was like loving it. I mean, and then. I want to bring this up too because I'm not still at that place. And that's the other thing. You have to honor where your body is at. I injured my knee. I went to PT. And then PT became my new joy exercise, you know, because I couldn't dance and I couldn't run. And then I tried getting back into running and I just wasn't there. So I didn't do it. And that's fine. And now I'm back to running, but I can't hit the three and a half miles. I'm still at that two and a half mile mark right now. But I love it because I can listen to my podcasts while I'm running, you know? So it's like, find what works for you. And I feel like that's the thing that changed my journey with exercise. Absolutely. And I hate to sound like a, like a gym bro, but I was going to say a lot of it is mindset. I was going to say a lot of it is mindset and something that's really helped for me is not, not putting it in my mind as I, I have to exercise right now. You know, it's like something I have to take off my to-do list, but I get to exercise how lucky am I and how privileged am I to be in a space where I, I can, right? And when you when you reframe it as you get to exercise, I feel like that really changes your perspective. And that paired with an exercise routine that works for you and makes you happy and makes you feel great during and after, like that's so, so amazing. Um, and I strongly recommend y'all to, to try to find something that works for you. And also recognizing what doesn't work for you. So let's talk about Chloe Ting. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I was kind of mentioning this earlier, but given the pandemic, I feel like 
everyone got really into home workouts just because everyone was sitting around. Like so many people got a Peloton. So many people like started talking about Chloe Ting's two week shred or whatever it was called. But I want to emphasize that the fitness industry can and can be and is very, very toxic. You Um, cannot get abs in two weeks. Yes. No matter what those YouTube video, like (laughs) clickbaity titles tell you, like you cannot have quote 14 days till a flat to fat flat stomach or um yeah like 14 days to abs or whatever and at the same time it's like really understanding what is feasible you also cannot spot reduce like fat I, I know some people are like oh lose fat in certain types of your certain parts of your body like that is not proven you know and so much of that and so much of the fitness industry is a business. And I want to emphasize that it's the same because way I that think like, it's also, I think it's also just like not sustainable and that's oh, the issue, absolutely right? Because it, there's, there's a difference between going to the gym and having a routine or like prepping for, uh, you know, like a half marathon, um, where you're doing something very consistently and you then see results. Mm -hmm. If you do insane exercises for 14 days straight, of course you're gonna see a little bit of a difference and I know people did, but Mm -hmm. is that a sustainable change? No, because once you hit that 14th day, if it's that intense, you're going to drop in terms of energy, in terms of motivation, like you're not gonna want to do it anymore. Yeah, and I think another really, really important point with the fitness industry is like these sort of videos make you realize insecurities you didn't realize that you had or you need to have like for example I saw those videos that were like get rid of hip dips and I was like what on earth is a hip dip and I searched it up (laughs) I searched it up and I was like ah there it is I have a hip I have hip dips apparently that was me that was me in middle school with thigh gaps yeah I was like like, what the heck is a thigh gap because they're completely natural (laughs) things that the that's these random industries tell you that you're not supposed to have and then they make you hate it and then they tell you here's how you can remove it and usually they're these completely nonsensical unsustainable ways that probably won't work like I, I want to mention this again so much of abs and different parts of your body and hip dips and whatever lots of them are genetic so if you look around your family and no one has a thigh, thigh gap do not expect to get a thigh gap if you like it, just so much of it is like genetic. if you're not six feet tall and no one else in your family is six feet tall <laughs> sweetie i'm sorry but you're not gonna be sweet six feet tall trust me i went through that heartbreak <laughs> i thought i'd be six feet tall no one in my family is that tall i'm never gonna be that tall and that's fine okay <laughs> we have heels for a reason <laughs> and i and i hate to say it in a way that it's like oh if you're genetically not able to do it tough luck, like good luck with you the rest of your life, but just understand what is feasible for you and your body and be kind to yourself with that in mind. Um, but in terms of other things that haven't worked, I feel like there's a lot of food related things that haven't worked as well. Um, or, or that have worked. Um, what have you found Sonia? Well, let's talk about what hasn't worked. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I haven't used these, but we see it everywhere. Fit tees, skinny tees. Yeah. Wasn't Kendall Jenner or Kylie Jenner, weren't they like, wasn't that their whole business at some point? I feel like so much of food industry, wellness and fitness, all of it's an industry. It, like, like you said, it's the an industry. Make, the goal is to make <laughs> The money. industry is an industry. Exactly. <laughs> no, but Equals, it's like. It me- it's, it's to make money. Like that's yeah, exactly what And I think is. also recognizing, especially for like younger folks who are listening to this podcast be really critical of what you see and what you decide to consume and engage in right skinny tees fit tees not good for you um like if you want to diet be really careful about it make sure you you know are just aware of like what works for your body if you need to talk to a nutritionist a dietitian a professional do that it is so much better to get that initial professional perspective first before you do anything super harmful um caloric deficits 
like these things are are really complicated yeah and you're not supposed to do it alone and it's like it's one of those things it's really easier said than done but i want to reiterate that like loving your body is not something you achieve when you hit a certain weight or a certain look because we've both hit those weights and looks and we still had issues with where we were at and And in fact for me it got worse like yeah and you don't realize it until after and it's like again I, i get it it's one of those things you don't realize until you're there but sapna tell us about keto like speaking of diets and just like you know how unhealthy they are like atkins for example oh atkins was never atkins was never and has not been scientifically backed up has it so interestingly enough i actually had a presentation on this in one of my classes like two hours ago the atkins diet every study that's not every study like 75 percent of the studies that are out there um, about the Atkins diet, proving its efficacy, they were funded and like completely done by someone who gets money off the Atkins diet. Conflict of interest. <laughs> exactly. There it is. So the Atkins diet is like not exactly legit. Um, and the keto diet, y'all have probably heard of that one or the paleo diet. Um, the keto, the keto diet, for example, keto paleo. <laughs> exactly. I was, I was, I just made a shift name between them. But the keto diet, for example, was designed for epileptic children. Um, so my point is just like a lot of these diets are not made for the people who they are marketed to. So that's just something to keep in mind. Do your research. Think about what nutrients you need in your diet and make sure you're honoring that. Like. Do not do any drastic diets that are cutting out major food groups because that's like a really, really slippery slope and you you want to get what your body needs. Regardless of what it's going to do to your body, don't worry about it. Like get what you need. Um, But I guess that's enough of the negativity. We'll push it out there. What has worked for you? Surrounding myself with people who are on the same page with me about my, about like food and exercise. Um, like you are one of those people, Sapna, my friend Grishi is one of those people, um, being in a space where I feel like my struggles are going to be validated. And if I come and I tell one of you guys and I'm like, ah, I feel like really upset with myself right now. And I don't feel like I'm at the place I want to be with my food goals or my Uh, exercise goals or just like where I'm at with my body and how I'm feeling in my body I don't pre like I'm just the person I don't appreciate being told like hey okay let's go exercise tomorrow like it doesn't work for me at least um and being around people who are very I guess like intentional with the things that they do and also changing my language and reframing my approach to food and eating and exercise is huge, right? And also the language around our own bodies. Um, I had lived with someone once who um, would like make comments about their body and they're very self-deprecative comments. And being in the same space as that on a daily basis was really difficult for me because even if I didn't have those insecurities, by hearing someone else who visibly looked different than me make those comments made me start to question like, okay, what do you think about me? Should I start worrying about this? Um, And it became like this unhealthy, unsafe space for me. So sometimes you talk about this a lot about like having healthy conversation about your body and food and exercise in a way that isn't deprecative, self-deprecative, but also in a way that isn't imposing yourself on other people. So if you can like talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think so much of it is like making, like you were saying, making the space and making the, the vision that you have in front of you something that you want to align with. And that's even just the things that you subscribe to on social media, the people you follow, just 
really make that space okay for you because you you really do want to avoid any sort of triggering language or language that makes you feel bad about yourself. And so much of that is like changing that language that you talk about other people, the, the way that you talk about yourself. That's so huge. Um, and just remembering that so much of health is about moderation and enjoying the moments you have, um, whether that's exercise, food or whatever. But um, with regards to uh, the language about food and eating, that's huge. I, I remember mentioning this like a few, a few minutes ago with regards to my journey, but I found that like growing up with people who kept on saying bad things about their body was so contagious. And then it started to be become the thing that I noticed about myself from a young age. And so I guess our goal um, with this episode was to really encourage everyone to, to really think about the way that you are seeing your body and the way that you're talking about your body and the food you eat. Like I've had huge meals with friends where like the person next to me will be like, oh my God, I ate too much. Or, and then I look at my plate where I put like my fourth serving of the same food. Like you, it'll make you feel bad, you know, and it'll make you question what you've just done. Um, so really the way that you talk about your body is so, so, so important. Um, and, and it's, proven that the the words that we use to describe ourselves we start to internalize discourse um, shapes reality there it is exactly and so the more <laughs> bring we say, it back exactly the more we say we hate our body we hate the way we look we ate too much we feel bloated this and that like it will affect what we feel um yeah. and and also shifting it and reframing it into i am dancing because it makes me feel good or I enjoy it, you know, shifting it to like doing what makes you feel good and feel like you're living a healthier lifestyle mm -hmm. as opposed to getting a revenge body, no, no looking no, no. hotter for like this other person to like you. Summer body. Like All celebrate your little wins because – you can't run a marathon without running that first mile. Mm -hmm. And unless you celebrate that first mile, there's no way you're going to make it to mile 26. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Loudmouth Lemkies. You can catch us next week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor. A huge shout out to Sindura Designs for the beautiful episode artwork this season. Make sure to check out her work on Instagram and her portfolio at sinduradesign.com. And also, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe. We'd love to hear your thoughts and we'll see you next week.